Remember, you can get in touch with our fearsome foursome by emailing clubdubpodcast at mail.com and through Twitter using the hashtag at clubdubpodcast. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! So welcome back, gents. Hi, Rob. We're podcasting again, which can only mean we're on the verge of week three. But before we get into predicting the future, let's just take a moment to revel in the glorious past for many of our teams. And um, let's share with our listenership our one big takeaway from week two. So, Aldrin, you know where I'm heading. You first. What did you think of last week's NFL action? Um, It was an interesting one. I think there's there's a, a lot of games that were a lot closer than I maybe expected. I think, you know, the Cardinals game is probably one of those where it was run really close. I think, oddly, the Colts game, uh, you know, even as a Colts fan, I thought that was a lot closer than I was maybe predicting. We kept, you know, um, the Rams in check. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. There was It was just a – it was an odd one. You know, like you said, some of the injuries that came out of it of – maybe affected how certain teams are going to approach things moving forward but yeah overall it was good enjoyed it some close games nice i mean you're right i mean the the colts were i don't know i was going to say frisky but actually scoreboard wise you can call them frisky but actually quite physical i thought they were Mm. you know pretty pretty rough and up for the challenge of a of a very dynamic rams team and um i don't know something to build on maybe i thought week one a bit flat week two a bit better who knows well, if it wasn't for certain quarterback problems, you, you might be feeling really bullish about week three. But um, nicely phrased, Ultra JB, your takeaway from week two. I think it's injuries, really. I think they were they were the almost the dominating news story from week one. I think Phil commented on it on our kind of our little podcast last week. I think it was the same thing this time. It was how many games, how many teams have been impacted by well, like an injury or at least one injury to a major player. Um, obviously, my my mind will immediately go to the Steelers, who went into the game against the Raiders on Sunday without two key defensive players and then suffered the loss of another incredibly key defensive player and potentially the quarterbacks being injured. You've got uh, Aldrin's Colts, who um, suffered a quarterback with injuries to both ankles. Is he, is he fractured yeah. both of them? Yeah, that's what happens when you land under Aaron Donald. Mm. Um, I mean, my own personal favourite is Andy Dalton giving himself a bone bruise on a non-contact, non-contact injury. Like how, do, how do you bruise yourself? How do you bruise a bone without coming into contact with anybody else? But if anybody could do it, I suppose it's the red rifle. Um, I think he had a fall, didn't he? <laughs> I think it was before. No, uh, Rob and I commented the the announcers in the game were talking about, oh, you could see when he goes out of bounds. And Rob Rob rightly pointed out, no, no, he started hobbling before he got out of bounds. He definitely did something to himself on the run. Um, I think it's not even just team injuries. It was quarterback injuries. It, it felt like half the quarterbacks in the, the six o'clock slate of games, as it is in, in the UK, um, 
all went down injured at, at some point. You know, Terod Taylor pulled up, Dalton, Mayfield left the game, I think. Uh, we talked about Wentz getting hurt, Tua knocked out of the game, you know, and, and there are more as well, I'm, I'm sure, that um, that I've forgotten. But You're forgetting Fitzmagic, still well, still sidelined. Cool. Yeah, but still sidelined in Washington, isn't it? Another team on their, their backup already. I think it sets the tone for, you know, Phil's favourite, Blake Bortles, making a comeback as a starter somewhere, doesn't it, Phil? Surely. Someone's got to pick up Blakey B, I'm telling you. That's a playoff team. Blakey B. Wow. Na 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 na. Blakey Blakey B. Blakey B. Oh, well, we said we said no music on this show, and look, we've done. We just we just find creative ways to fill voids, don't we? I mean, the injury thing for me is a weird one. The bit I love is I think there are a number of injuries that have potentially made certain teams better. I think I'm excited to see what the Bears do with Fields under centre against Dalton. Not that I've got anything against Dalton. I, I think he's he's a lot better than a number of people give him credit for. Um, it felt inevitable I, I though, didn't it? Like I, it feels yeah, like one I of suppose. those things that as soon as Dalton got injured mm. or wasn't performing well, as soon as Fields starts a game, I kind of felt like he was never going to look back. That job's his to lose ultimately, isn't it? I think. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Bears maybe get slightly better, or at least more interesting. I, I'm kind of a little bit torn on Washington. I kind of, I, I don't know, I really wanted Fitzmagic to have his big season and, and finally be the starter, but I, I like what Heineke does. And then you've got others. I mean, the Dolphins, I mean, possibly the Colts. I mean, that that feels a bit of a stretch. The, the only thing for me is the injury thing is still a little, I know you guys have said it's been the big story. I still think it's a little under the radar, and I think the whole chat about a 17-game season, shorter preseason, all this stuff will finally kick into gear when we lose a true top-tier quarterback. You know, if we had Patrick Mahomes out for six weeks or or someone of that ilk, maybe maybe the um, I don't know the column inches would have been more injury-focused than than they are. But um, it it is a pity for some teams. I mean, particularly the Texans. I think the Texans were competitive and far more competitive than they probably deserve to be and now you're kind of looking at them thinking this this could really feel like a struggle couldn't it i mean this this really could sadly be one way um but yeah nice you, that, I, I... you do say that but if you look at the last two teams that Terod taylor's played for and got injured and a rookie quarterback um has come in then davis mills is on to win offensive rookie of the year this year I mean, I think yeah. you, you, you you forget that Baker Mayfield went number one. And, yeah, and Herbert and just, went what? And Herbert fourth, went fifth, four. something like yeah. that, yeah. Four. yeah. And Davis Mills didn't even know the Texans were picking him until the last moment yeah, in the third round. So Season I think it's a different I mean, kettle of fish. Look, I mean, let's hope you're right, Phil, because I think, you know, as, as much as we get to look outside in at how bad the Texans are, there are supporters who deserve better than that. You know, we always felt that way about the Titans, didn't we, a couple of years ago and the Jets, well, forever. Um, but yeah, let, let's hope there are a few teams who who are able to do something with, you know, a new face um, under centre. Um, but yeah, I like the injury narrative. I like that, JB. Um, PB, I know you've just chipped in a chunk, but do you have a particular takeaway for uh, for week two of NFL action? I think the, the takeaway is that we are horrible at predicting divisions, at least early on, uh, you know, in our, I think our divisional preview, we talked about um, the AFC, as I quickly remember which one it is, the AFC West, 
um, and thinking that the Chiefs and the Chargers were, were going to run away at the top and the Raiders and the Broncos had no hope. And the Chiefs and the Chargers are one and one and the Raiders and the Broncos are two and oh. And Derek Carr is currently the best quarterback in football, which yeah. if said that in the summer is insane. And I suppose we'll get on to talking yeah. about teams that we think are, you know, two and oh and really good and, and those that are, are pretenders almost. But yeah, I mean, if you want a sandwich bet on uh, the Chiefs finishing below the Raiders in that division, I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> I mean, if, I if you so. if you actually think the Broncos and the Raiders are, are on for something here, come and see me. Mon- money can change hands. Um, but you 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 are right that it's. I mean, the one there, particularly the Raiders. I would. I mean, the Broncos have had a relatively easy schedule, maybe. But but the Raiders, yeah, have been have been really exciting. And um, yeah, who knew? Four guys with no professional sports experience weren't going to accurately predict the win of the winners of NFL division. I, I still think the chiefs will absolutely walk it. The charges will come in a pretty handsome second, but um, yeah, it makes life interesting. Yeah. I like that. A few, I mean, I mean, did week two feel more like a return to normal? I, I think we talked, didn't we about the week one mirages. Do we think that, that week two delivered? Um, I don't know. Was normal service resumed? I guess. I think there were some reality checks for some of those teams that did really well in week one and then maybe got a bit of hype. I mean, I'm, mm. I know we're going to talk about it later, but, you know, the, like the Eagles, you know, you oh, have that yeah. first week game and you're like, oh, my God, Hertz is the yeah. best quarterback in football. He's got it all. They're going to, you know, shock the division. And then all of a sudden can't throw the ball, can't move the ball, don't put up any points. And it's I mean, like normal services resume, isn't it? I tell you what, we, we knew there was going to be a week one mirage, didn't we? But some of the comments, I mean, I think I picked my week one mirage to be the Saints and some of Phil's comments that go to the defence of Jameis Winston have already aged so badly when the guy just absolutely went bananas at the weekend and was a turnover machine yet again. So I, I love it. I love it. Jameis going to Jameis. Jameis going to Jameis. Indeed he is. The um, thing we have to keep in mind, though, is, right, one, mm. this is only week one in comparison to every other season we've got because there's still 15 games left to go. But two, it is only two games so far. And it's I well, part, part of me kind of thinks it's a little bit too early to kind of pick which teams are going to be good or which teams are going to be bad because you're kind of thinking, well, Based on week one, the Saints are great and the Packers are terrible. Based on week two, the Packers are great and the Saints are terrible. Which of those is true? Well, I think what you'll probably find is by the time we get to the halfway point of the season, those mm. will have evened out and we will have at least consistent teams who can perform. So the one I like in that, you know, is the Packers, actually, because I think they were so bad in week one and then played a Lions team that have got a lot of working out to do. You know, they, they are not looking like the genuine article at all, are they? It looks like they're years away rather than weeks away in Detroit, sadly. I, I don't know. How good do we think the Packers are? That's that's one of my favourite things going into week three, possibly. All I was going to say was when, when it came to the Packers, I liked Aaron Jones' 35 points worth, which conversely was more than the 20 points I needed to beat Phil in fantasy. So maybe that's why he's a little bit sore. Is he a little bit sore? Um, Well, look, I've still got my um, chip in uh, for week two. And mine is people often say that kickers are either heroes or villains. Having enjoyed week two action to the extent I did, I just want to point out kickers are always heroes. It just depends whose fan base they're a hero too, because um, I tell you what, the Minnesota Vikings Cardinals game, 
I could have gone to bed at what were we? I don't know, half 12, 20 to one in a very different mood. If somebody kicks a 37 yard field goal. I mean, Phil, are you still of the mindset that that is a, an achievable distance for yourself? Do you think you could have kicked a 37 yard game winning field goal? Um, I'd back myself with the, you know, the pressure on the, the game on the line. I think I could do it. I tell you what, you read I Dennis can, Burkamp's book. And I just, can attest that having played football, like regular British football with Phil, that yeah, he can kick it really high over a fence. So I imagine <laughs> a field goal would be no problem. So yeah, it won't be long till the Vikings come knocking PB. Um, so if that rounds up a little whistle stop of week two, let's get into week three. So we know the format. We've all picked our key game of the week. We're all going to get to talk through it. We're going to give you our view as you tell us yours. But ultimately, whoever picks their key game gets to make the prediction and pick who they want to put into Club Dub. Aldrin, give us your game of the week and tell us how you think it's going to go. My game of the week is a kind of bottom of the basement clash. And it's the Atlanta Falcons versus the New York footballing Giants. Um, And I, I just think it's... It's a really interesting one because I've gone back and forth on this so much today, trying to decide who I think will win or ultimately who I think is going to lose. And it's it's kind of trying to see who I think is going to be worse just because neither of them have excelled. Um, it's been it's been an interesting 0-2 for both of them, I think. You know, the Falcons have looked really out of it at, at points in, in both games. Um Matt Ryan, who's usually so reliable, even in the face of adversity, you know, like even like last year when the Falcons in general weren't playing well, I think you could still rely on Matty Ice as a pretty safe pair of hands. He put up good numbers, he moves the chains and, you know, he's still, I would consider a pretty top tier quarterback. On the other side, you've got the Giants who... I don't know, didn't seem as bad as I maybe thought they would against the the Washington football team last week. You know, they ran it real close and but for a, a stupid penalty right at the at the death, they probably would have won that game uh, apart from giving Washington another go at the field goal. So I don't know, it's interesting. I think Danny Dimes wasn't as bad as advertised maybe. I think he he maybe didn't or doesn't get enough credit for the the work that he did with his legs in the last game. And I think that's maybe where the Giants can exploit the weakness of the, well, one of many weaknesses, but Atlanta have been terrible against the run. Um, so I think with Saquon there and Danny Dimes being able to, you know, take off as well, they've got some good options there. But then the flip side of that is the the weird dynamic where he can't get the relationship going with either of the the new wideout acquisitions from the season Kenny Golladay looks I think he's realized where he turned up and is regretting it I, I don't think he looks a happy camper at all they don't seem to have any chemistry you know Jones is overthrowing passes Golladay's not catching passes that are thrown at him and then Kadarius Tony just doesn't seem to really feature. And he was uh, what he was their first round draft pick, I think. Um, and they just don't seem to be getting anything going with him. And for Jones, all of his connections are with, you know, the, the, the old guard, the guys that he's played with in his entire tenure. So, you know, it's, it's Shepard 
you know, is his predominant main threat. So I don't know. They just don't seem to be getting that working. For Atlanta, I think I really liked what I saw of Kyle Pitts last week. Again, they were pretty terrible, but I think he led the team in receiving yards. I know it was only like 75 yards or something like that, but I think we got more of a preview of that kind of top tier athleticism and just power and strength and ability that he has. I mean, I think the, the, the run where he went for, you know, 20 or whatever yards it was, he caught it almost half behind him and just took off and, you know, took defenders with him. So I think he's a really exciting one. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a race to the bottom, but I've really struggled to pick it, but I don't know. Maybe I feel like this is the week that the Falcons just get it together and, you know, it just clicks because I don't know, both of those defenses are pretty terrible. So, you know, it could be one of those silly penalties or one of those dynamic plays that just tips the balance. I think you, I think you made a lot of good points there. And I think this is a very interesting game to watch in terms of like, who's, who's gonna, who's gonna get off the slide. Who's gonna start putting something together. I think the problems that the Falcons have got, I think, start for me with Arthur Smith's offense, because I think the thing that powers that, the thing that powered that in Tennessee, rather, was having a back like Derrick Henry. And as he is quickly learning, I think, if you didn't know already, there aren't a lot of backs like Derrick Henry. So you can't go and transplant that into an Atlanta Falcons offense, even though you've got a to my mind, far superior quarterback in Atlanta, you need that engine to keep everything going. I think they'll get it sorted, but as a Falcons fan, you have to be disappointed with how they've started, especially, like you said, with like Pitts, with Calvin Ridley, kind of guys like that still on offense and still there to provide it. I thought it was quite telling just how much they fell apart against the Buccaneers. Um, I won't dwell too much on that because it's I'm sure Phil will probably have something that he wants to talk about from there. But yeah, just it was when when we were watching kind of Red Zone, when Rob and I were watching Red Zone together, you could see the similarities between what was going on in that Tampa Atlanta game and what was going on in that Cincinnati and Chicago game. Both times, it really felt like the quarterback was just letting the game absolutely get away with him with kind of bad decisions and bad throws and while you could expect that from someone like joe burrow who's not had the smoothest transition into the nfl matt ryan's a former league mvp you would kind of look and think well hang on a minute you you've got to expect he'd do better there for the giants the giants to me feel a little bit like they're they're quite close to getting it they're you know they're maybe a play or two away from from kind of really starting to put it all together and really starting to actually get past teams and stop having that will they won't they and just get into the we will you know impose our will on this game I think you're right in that Daniel Jones is kind of favoring his existing targets right now but you can't ignore Kenny Gollard someone like Kenny Golladay for that long I think eventually he is also going to start to get himself involved and start to take over games like we've seen him do see I think I don't know. I think the Giants need to get out their own way. Uh, I think, you know, drops and penalties and, you know, it's funny because we talked about, you know, other teams already in the couple of weeks of the season that, that those things can absolutely undermine 
what would otherwise be very good performances. And they certainly did for the Giants. That that poor discipline um, feels like it, it, it just can't be present if they want to win close games. I think the defense is not as good as I thought it would be. I think defense is, is something that they've got enough pieces. They, they just need to find a way to get that right and, and just to, to bend, not break. And like you, JB, I think the Giants have just got a mental hurdle maybe to clear, whereas I think the Falcons are a four-win football team this season. I think the Falcons are... They're just short too many pieces, aren't they? I mean, I like Ridley as a as a wide receiver, but he's not big bodied. He, you know, if he's your primary target and you haven't got a great run game, I think it, I think it's just limiting. Um, and it's one of those things where you kind of say, look, the Falcons aren't really built to put up points in bunches to come from behind in games but also they haven't really got the talent to, to give you any confidence they're going to lead that many either. Certainly against the Buccaneers, it felt like the Buccaneers raced out. Then, I don't know, almost thought the game was won, really. Uh, and then once they'd let, you know, the Falcons find their way back into the game. And I will say, Aldrin, you made the point. I mean, there was some positive play there, probably as good as the Falcons have looked all season in starting to come back into the game. But then... JB, I mean, what, you blinked in, what, two or three minutes of a quarter? They'd lost two touchdowns and the ball again, and it was it was just all over. I, The only thing that makes me even doubt it would be the Giants is just how good they are at getting in their own way. But I still think the Giants are a pretty decent football team overall, and they just need to iron out a few problems. I, I think the Falcons are, are the wrong side of that line. I think they could iron all day long and still find they're, they're a few good players short of a good team. I disagree. I think Saquon Barkley needs to get going for the Giants if they're going to, um, if they're really going to start getting rolling. I don't think, I know he's coming back from a long-term injury and a really serious injury last year, but I don't think he's done anything really in, in the first two games, you know, as people maybe expected him to with, with all the off-season workout videos and stuff and, and talk that he was back to his best. So for New York, I think he's a massive part of their offense and he needs to get going for them to do anything. The Falcons, I think, flattered to deceive a little bit. I think the Bucks let them back in um, at the weekend, you know, and it turned out to be a comfortable score. But in reality, you know, in, in the third quarter at one point, you think they, they had all the momentum and, and you could have seen the game going the other way almost. So I don't think they're a million miles away from, from where they need to be. I think Matt Ryan, there's a video showing him under throwing, a, you know, a, a, a pass downfield I think he only throws it about 45 50 yards talking about his arm being cooked I don't know I, I'm not sure he's he's got the deep ball that he used to have but he still marshaled the game well you know I think he, he did well under pressure at times um, and I think he's got enough around him you know Pitts Ridley Gage for example that that they've got a passing game again they need to get a, a running game going and and you know, Davis, I suppose, needs to needs to show up as their highlight reel back. But they also had Cordero Patterson more involved in the game than, than I've seen, you know, in, in other teams. I think he's predominantly always been a return guy and he ended up with two touchdowns against the Bucks. So um, I think he actually looked really good. Um, and just it all needs to come together a little bit for them. I think their D needs to step up. I think they can put point, points on the board. Um, but their D needs to step up, and I'm not sure about the, the Giants' D, so I could see the, the Falcons easily taking this one. Wow. Wow. I mean, I don't know. The only thing, I mean, look, I mean, it, the, the world is built on opinions. The one for me, though, is the Giants. I mean, they, they had the dropped pass in the end zone 
that that obviously was you know the the meme of the week almost in in the world of NFL and still put up 29 points against Washington you know I mean you're absolutely right I don't think Barkley's you know running downhill but I think yeah for me I'm just thinking the Giants have Barkley I don't see anyone in the Falcons that I'm I don't know I don't see who in the Falcons lineup is underperforming I just Corridell Pat I mean if he ends up being a a real key player this season. Where has he been for most of his NFL career? You know, like I say, a specialist kick returner who suddenly maybe finds his groove. There may be something in that. Um, but anyway, Aldrin, you know, we're all jabbering on, but we're all circling around this. It's your game, which means it's your pick. Who are you putting in Club Derp? Well, after all my deliberations, I, I think the Falcons are legit. So I'm putting the Falcons into Club Derp. <laughs> And actually, one of the games, if you follow us on social and you look at our lovely pickums for the week, one of the few games where there isn't really much agreement between the four of us. We're kind of all all thinking differently for this one. Um, but nice, the Atlanta, the winless Atlanta Falcons are the first team in club dub. Um, we certainly know how to do things the hard way. Aldrin, love the game pick, though. Certainly one of the most interesting, curious matchups of the week. I love the fact that we've kicked off with it. So, JB... Uh, I have decided to go with the clash between the Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, And kind of drawn to that game with the question of, are either of these teams the teams that we thought they were? Because at the beginning of the season, I think we looked at the Dolphins as a team that were definitely on the rise. Uh, A young team, yes, but a team with a good head coach that we liked, the good, solid philosophy when it came to football, and a team that could you know, do a lot to get back into the playoffs again. And we looked at the Raiders as kind of like Mark Davis and John Gruden just having a good time being the Raiders and not really getting anywhere. And at present, we've got a one and one Dolphins team who just about squeaked past the Patriots, who we didn't, and a lot of NFL people, I don't think, put a lot of faith in at the time. And then obviously kind of had the issues that they had last week against the Bills, not least of which is losing their starting quarterback. Whereas the Raiders have come in and they beat the Ravens and they've beaten the Steelers and at two and zero they're actually looking quite good and quite frisky. So, is this the week where we find out which team is actually the real version of what it's going to be? And you've got to lean on the Raiders for this, I think, because again, like I said, you're going in against the Dolphins team that's going to be quarterbacked by Jacoby Brissett. I like Brissett. I think he's a very good backup quarterback. He's a solid hand that you would want to come in and kind of shepherd a game towards the end of it. But he's not necessarily the guy that you want to lead your season. I think that's what you want to Otunga Vailoa in there for. So does the firepower of the Raiders, I think like Henry Ruggs last week, that touchdown against the Steelers was beautiful in a terribly depressing way for a Steelers fan like myself. But it was it was great. And you look and think, well, hang on a minute. Have Mike Mayock and John Gruden really now built the Raiders team that they want? Is this a bit like those Raiders teams of like the 70s and the early 80s when they were at their most successful of just being a bit of a wild ride, but a team that kind of get you there in the end? And it's it's just going to be an interesting game to monitor. So I, I'll be really brief on this. 
the Dolphins don't feel sold on Tua. That that's the the biggest worry for me about their long term kind of um, potential this year. It feels like those murmurs that were coming out of Miami were founded in something they were seeing things they weren't liking or or not seeing the progress. Um, the injury obviously is significant, isn't it? Is it fractured ribs? I, I think looking, I think, I think yeah. I believe he's fractured ribs now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, even if he does come back, you'd imagine that would be painful and, and be the kind of thing that might hinder him moving forward. Um, my view's really simple though. I think for as much as I don't believe the Raiders will be able to keep this up when you've got Jacoby Brissett starting at quarterback for the Dolphins, the Dolphins need this to be low scoring to stay in this game. And there are too many offensive players playing well for Las Vegas. Ruggs, you mentioned, is absolutely the pick for me. They won't be able to keep enough players quiet on the Raiders side of the ball to stay in this one for me. So I have the Raiders um, keeping up that unbeaten start. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on all your points, really. I think the not being sold onto a thing is bang on. I've thought that for, well, I thought that all off season and, in truth, I still feel like once whatever happens with the Sean Watson happens and the league and the, the legal cases figure themselves out in one way or another, I still feel like that feels like the most likely destination for Deshaun Watson should he continue to play in the NFL and be on the trade block as he obviously is. Um, I don't know, the, the Dolphins felt really like a team that I was going to be excited about this year and they've really underwhelmed. I think part of that is Tua. I think part of that's maybe their defense as well. I don't think they've performed as well as maybe we thought. And, you know, last year they were a really tough defense to beat. And this, this time around, they don't seem to have that kind of fear factor. I think, you know, they can be beaten. Um, I'm with you on the Raiders. I don't think they're going to keep it up, but certainly I think this week is um, a shoe-in for them. They're coming off. They're just on that high, aren't they? And I think a few teams get that once, you know, in a season where they just roll from game to game kind of with this this buzz and this aura following them. So I think that might continue for a little bit, but I do think they eventually get found out. Um, but yeah, I can't, based on what I've seen the last few weeks, I can't see anything but a Raiders win for this one. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well, I think. Um, I'm not so sure I'm as down on Brissett as you are, Rob. You know, I can see him doing a, a decent job. I think he's probably one of the better backups in the league, I would say. You know, I think if if Rivers hadn't been available, I don't know whether the Colts would have necessarily gone out and got somebody else or, or just stayed with him. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think the Raiders are just look too good a team at the minute and it's a bit of a surprise but you know they've got that deep threat in rugs um who got that you know really long touchdown at the weekend um they've got waller who's you know playing really really well at the minute you know he's looking like a really good probably his third third best wide receiver uh, sorry third best, third best tight end uh in the league at the moment i think they're playing well you know all over the park um and yeah i think I, he looks I, like the second best tight end I don't I suppose, think Kelsey's yeah. living up to it. Well, yeah, maybe not even Kittle. I, I don't know. I, I think he's he's a top three, if not, you know, the most in form. Um, but yeah, I think the Raiders are just going to have too much them, to be honest. It's a real surprise. Like I expected them to, to struggle straight off the bat. And, you know, we're talking about them being 3-0 and 
um, after three weeks, which is, you know, mad in a way. But yeah, I think the Raiders will have too much for them. I think the Dolphins, you're right, they've, they've just not looked as, they've not looked so good. I think they won in the first week, but then maybe flattered to deceive and, and lost to a, a not particularly great Patriots team with a, with a, um, you know, a rookie quarterback under centre. I, I think Xavier Howard's got all that money and then he's not really shown up in the first couple of games, but then maybe people aren't throwing to him after, after you know, throwing at him after his performance last year. So, uh, yeah, it'd be the Raiders for me, I think. So go on then, JB. It's all yours. I firmly believe that all of the enthusiasm preseason for the Dolphins is going to be sucked up by the black hole and the Las Vegas Raiders will perhaps inexplicably proceed to 3 and 0 Raiders who went into week one as I think the team a couple of us picked out as most needing a win we're now predicting three weeks down the line they'll be three and oh and as you said Phil running away with the division creating that cushion between them and you know potentially the Broncos themselves doing pretty well um the Chiefs and the Chargers so wow uh, really rolling now second team in club dub this week is going to be Las Vegas and now it rolls around to you, PB. Uh, why don't you talk us through your game of the week, give us your reasoning, and then let us chew the fat before we see who you're going to put in clubbed up. So I'm going to talk about the Packers and 49ers game. Um, and obviously after week one, everybody was ready to throw the Packers under the bus and Aaron Rodgers, you know, all of his off-season um, issues had, had caused problems for the team and they weren't going to be as good as they were last year. You know, and then they came out and, and probably expected beat the Lions and I think most teams will probably beat the Lions this year so what you can take from that I don't know but I think this is really going to be the test as to where the Packers stand at the moment you know if, if they're the same team as they were last year um, and are going to be challenging you know for, for playoff contention for Super Bowl contention making the, the NFC championship game then I think they need to come out and make a statement in this game um, if we look at Sunday Night Football last week um with with Rogers, you know, Aaron Jones, or was it Monday Night Football? Sorry, Monday Night Football last week. Um, with Aaron Jones scoring four touchdowns, you know, James already mentioned it, it killed me in fantasy. Um, but it, it kind of came out of nowhere because I don't think he had a particularly good week, week one, and then just absolutely exploded last week. And, and you know, Devontae Adams, for example, had a, a quiet night because he didn't need to do anything because Aaron Jones is, is doing everything. Um, so I think it's it's going to be interesting to see where they go against the 49ers, who you would definitely say have a better defence than, than the Lions do. Um, you know, is Aaron Jones still going to be able to run wild against them or are they going to key in on him and Rodgers will have to throw it a bit more? Was that me? <laughs> well, it wasn't any of it us. It wasn't any of it us. Was it? Sorry, it, who else is watching things on the internet while you've got imaginary com. points? <laughs> on NFL.com, just checking the score and stuff. And I think um, it was just the, the video on that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so I think the 49ers are going to key in on Aaron Jones and and Rogers is going to have to throw the ball a little bit more and, and we'll see what happens there, you know, whether, whether the secondary of the 49ers can pick him off a little bit. Um, and can control them like the Saints did in week one. So I think this is really going to be a big test for the Packers. 
Likewise, the 49ers, I mentioned last week, they're only a year removed from being a Super Bowl team. And their last season, they were absolutely decimated by injuries. I think they lost more man games to injury than, than any other team. So some big players as well. Um, you know, I think Debo Samuel missed a lot of time last year. Kittle missed a lot of time last year. Uh, you know, their their running back situation is bad again this year, you know, losing guys to injury. But they had that last year. They lost big impact players on defence. Um, and I think that hampered them. And that's ultimately why they ended up missing the playoffs. But, you know, like I said, they're only one year removed from from being a Super Bowl team. And, and perhaps um, they're, they're looking solid again this year at 2-0. You know, they came in with a bit of quarterback controversy. We saw the first snap of the first game with Garoppolo losing it. Uh, sorry, losing the football. Uh, Trey Lance has got his own packages in the offense and in the game plan, and that seems to be working out for them. So, they're a, you know, they're a, a threatening team on offense. I think they've got a good defense, and I think their value for for their two and zero, um, their two and zero start to the season. But you know, the the Packers are are a good team, and did they deceive people by being poor in week one? When you know the Saints came out in week two and, and weren't so good, so. You know, what does that tell you? It's it's hard to know, really. I think, the, you know, the first couple of weeks, it's always hard to to kind of identify which are the, the outlier games because guys are just a bit cold from the off-season and, and which are the, the games that tell you where the direction of travel for this season. So I think this is going to be a big marker. And whoever comes out of this is will, I think, then be, you know, in a, in a, a strong kind of view towards challenging for the, the NFC Championship this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, and this is, not always the case for you and I going to be really quick because I kind of agree with you I think we talked about the Dolphins just didn't we and we talked about what can happen when a team gets a bit of momentum I think as much as anything else this is just about narrative for the Packers you know if they play well all of a sudden week one was just you know week one was what it was you know just one of those absolutely out the blue weeks that like you say can happen when players come back to football you know somewhat cold Um, Rodgers hadn't really you know, had had much um, in training camp, obviously no pre-season action either. And you kind of go, well, you know, they had that one bad performance, now they're back on track. However, if they lose to the 49ers, and I think they will, I mean, I think the 49ers are a good football team, well coached, still enough talent, even with injury problems, to cause any middle of the road team problems. I think all of a sudden people will be looking at the Packers and thinking just what is their ceiling this season? I think you've nailed it. I don't know which way you'll go. But I really think the Packers will have to play well to beat the 49ers. And I'm I'm just not quite sure. I, I mean, they've got big game players who, if they step up, can achieve incredible things. But as a team, I've just not quite seen enough yet to believe enough in um, the Packers of Green Bay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I felt like last week was an opportunity for the 49ers to kind of established themselves you know I kind of felt like the the Philly team that we saw in week one was going to be that you know that outlier you know you come back from come back from the offseason and they caught a team cold and they put loads of points on the board and they look great and everyone's lauding hurts again but I don't know they I think they just flattered to deceive last week I know they're well coached and they kept you know Philly in check pretty much and um I, I don't know. I just wanted more. I, I wanted more from that offense. I think Garoppolo is just Garoppolo. I don't know how else to describe him. I, I feel like he's just one of those middling, you know, average quarterbacks. And I'm just kind of waiting for that game where 
they get shocked and then they put Trey Lance in, you know, for more significant action. And I feel like this might be that week where Rogers puts up a lot of points early. Garoppolo kind of stutters and falters and then they they try something different and all of a sudden, you know, Trey Lance takes the leap and, and takes the reins. Um, that's my only comment, really. I just think the 49ers, whilst well coached and looking good and they're 2-0, and oh, I, I just feel like I want more from them and I don't know that Garoppolo's the guy to do that and maybe they need a, a bit of a down week where they almost have that Green Bay-esque humbling and then they make a change at quarterback so for me i think the the victory on um monday night for the packers kind of showed exactly what it is they need to do which is run the football we've we know aaron Rodgers is what is a transcendent talent we know he is one of the greatest of all time but time and time again we have seen the packers get away from what we know is one of the most successful ways to control a football game and that is to run the ball running through Aaron Jones last week. Um, was it three three rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown, I think, was what he had in total? And I understand you're not going to get that kind of um, production out of someone every every week, but that's what you can do to, to make a defense pay attention, you know, get them to have to stack the box, get them to worry about the run, and then let Rodgers do what he does best and just pick apart the the secondary and i hope this season isn't like previous seasons that we've seen from the packers where they discover what it is they need to do to win and start going away from it again because we've seen the packers do this previously we've seen them have a really good couple of weeks of running the football and and really taking taking control of a game and then gradually they go away from it and go away from it because you start leaning more and more on Aaron Rodgers and the amazing things that he can do. Um, I spoke last week about the fact that I didn't rate the 49ers. I still don't rate the 49ers. I don't think they are as good as the record suggests. I don't think they're as good as people suggest that they are. And I do think they are one of those teams that are probably going to come crashing down to earth. I think they sort of, they squeaked past week one they, yeah, they were in control for a lot of week two, but not in any kind of sense that I didn't think, well, hang on a minute, they're, they're a play away from from messing this up. So I've, I've gone Packers. I think it's, I think it's an obvious choice. Well, let, let's just say to make your decision that little bit harder, Phil, um, I definitely haven't gone Packers. I, I think... We're already seeing the 49ers are a pretty good football team. And I think there are a number of teams who we've not yet seen are a pretty good football team. I I don't know. I mean, it is a coin flip game, but I certainly don't think it's obvious or a gimme. Um, PB, go on. Who are you putting in club dub? Yeah, you say obviously the Packers. For me, I've picked the 49ers this week. I think they're they're just going to have a bit too much for the Packers. I think the Packers may be flattered to deceive over the Lions with that massive strong performance from, from Aaron Jones. I don't, you know, that's not a, a repeatable performance, I don't think. I think that's the outlier. You know, he could have a strong game, but he's not going to put up four touchdowns. So uh, for me, I think the, the defence will stifle them a little bit, and I think they've got enough on offence just to get past. So um, I will put the 49ers into club dub this week. <laughs>
drops off. Um, the Packers might not have found themselves in club dub this week, but I think one of the nicest footballing stories of the week definitely comes from Green Bay. Um, before we move on, I don't know if you guys saw this about Aaron Jones. His father died from complications tied to COVID in April. And on Monday Night Football, he wore some of his father's ashes in a, I don't know, like a small kind of um, football pendant around his neck, um, which was lost during the game. And not only did the Packers coaching staff come back out on the field, break it down into a grid to make sure that that lost necklace was found. So did the TV crew from ESPN, which I thought was a really nice touch. All of them out there, floodlights stayed on, and it was eventually found at 1.45 in the morning local time. Um, and just, yeah, just what a, I don't know, what a what a remarkably touching story in, in every sense. And um, as I just look onto the wonderful world of the internet, it feels like when you have these stories, you should probably give credit um, to the person who found it, and that was Brian Engel. So there you go, Packers I didn't trainer even Brian they'd Engel found it. I saw the story, and, and his yeah. comments, I didn't see that they'd found it. So that's great. One forty-five a.m. I mean, that is—I don't know. You, you guys know that in our time together, we've often been out looking for things late at night, but I'm not sure we'd have stayed out till one forty-five in the morning looking for that. Um, yeah, that that speaks to obviously how they feel about Aaron Jones in Green Bay. And, and just, uh, I think, a touch of class from the guys from ESPN as well. So well worth the mention. So um, in terms of our roundup, then, it's left to me. And I've picked, I don't know, I feel you guys have gone for, for interesting games. And I've just probably just plumbed for, I don't know, probably the average fans game of the week, I suppose. I've gone for the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Bucks. Um really squaring up against the Rams, who seem to be, I don't know, seem to be a fashionable choice all of a sudden that they could be lifting the Lombardi for the first time under the leadership of Sean McVay. Obviously got close, obviously against Brady previously, that time in his Patriots guys. People feel like the Rams have moved up a notch at quarterback. I'll come to that in a moment. Um, But for me, I don't know. The thing that makes this game interesting is not only is it a chance for two NFC two superpowers to square up against each other, really see who's who's truly got, got what it takes to go all the way, but actually I feel like both teams are playing so well that actually whoever comes out of this game having lost probably doesn't lower their ceiling or feel too bad about what the year as a whole could hold. I mean, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on the Buccaneers, but I think a lot of people forget that up until, was it the bye week last season? The Buccaneers had been a bit up and down. There'd been some good performances. There'd been some bad performances. And then they came back after that kind of relative, was it about week 10? I remember it being this relative mid-season bye. And all of a sudden, the Buccaneers were just on fire and, and it didn't stop right the way up to them lifting the Lombardi. But to start as they have, is maybe even more surprising. I know a lot of people said, oh, they're going to be the first. Well, I say a lot of people. Phil probably just said it a lot of times. Maybe not a lot of people at all. But I've heard over and over that they've bought back all of their players. You know, it's the first time that a Super Bowl winning team have bought back all of its starters for the following season. And I wasn't really on board with that. I kind of thought there's a number of very talented but experienced players in that lineup. You know, I know Brady's 
you know, effectively ageless and timeless, as we all know. But you looked at Sue, you looked at JPP, you looked at Antonio Brown, you looked at Leonard Fournette. I kind of looked and thought, are these really players who are going to come back next year and be as good? You know, are they not? you know, actually been a bit short-sighted when they could be thinking about bringing in youthful replacements in some areas. You know, it's kind of got that last dance narrative about it, hasn't it, when you compare it to the Chicago Bulls? Was it the right thing to bring all of those pieces back or was it actually the easier decision? And do you know what? I have been absolutely surprised by what I've seen. Um, Not only are those older players, those experienced players playing at a really high level, But I actually think a couple of them have moved on a step. Now, he's certainly not old, so I don't want to put him necessarily in the category I've just described. But I thought Gronk looked unplayable on on Sunday at times. I thought some of those catches were great. I thought he looked really physical. And I thought he looked fast again. I mean, I I know we're talking fast in tight end terms. You know, we're not not talking a guy who's going to run, you know, a, a blistering 40. But I actually thought when they looked good on Sunday, and they were a bit hot and cold, like we said, let the Falcons back into it. But when they were good, they were very, very good. And and that wasn't really where I expected an, an early season Buccaneers to be. So on the one hand, you've got the Buccaneers, who, you know, I think are absolutely building a pretty good case that they could even defend their championship with Brady at the helm. But then you've got the Rams, who are an odd one for me. I don't think Stafford is a massive upgrade. I've said that over and over. But they just seem to have such quality in so many areas of the field. They've got great DBs. They've got Aaron Donald on the line, and they've got linebackers that are absolutely mobile and physical enough to give them a really difficult defense to work your way past. You've then got an offense that, that just has so many talented pieces. I mean, it's one of those things where we talked earlier about, you know, who gets talked about? What are the narratives? Does Cooper Cup get enough love and get enough attention? I mean, on the one hand, you kind of go, well, if you asked any armchair NFL fan, he's probably a name that's going to come up when, when wide receivers are mentioned, you know, maybe as a top 10 best in the league. Is he better than that? You know, is there a better wide receiver in the league? And maybe there is, but I mean, a truly head and shoulders above Cooper Cup. And and he's not the only weapon they've got. I still love what they do with with players like Higby. I still love what they're able to do with the running game. I think McVeigh absolutely, along with Shanahan, funnily enough, you know, having just talked about the 49ers, remains one of the most creative offensive minds. And, And the reason I love this is I just can't see either of these teams laying an egg. I I can't see either of them playing badly the way they are at the moment. And if both of them play well, I think that's a really exciting game to watch. So as much as it pains me to um, be on the Buccaneers bandwagon, um, yeah, for me, not only the game of the week, but probably the biggest, I mean, you can maybe argue Ravens Chiefs, but for me, it probably tops that. I think probably the biggest game of the season so far. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And um, I, I went on the Bucks UK podcast this week to talk about that. So thanks um, for having me on and, and feel free to check out um, Bucks UK on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, etc. cetera. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, I talked at, at length about this game, you know, on the, on the podcast, but they have a, a strong air attack. I think like the Buccaneers do, you know, we've got so many weapons, like you say, returning all those starters. And I think the Rams, 
um, are the same. I think the hits that have, have come later in the week, JPP is dealing with a shoulder issue um, and may not play, which would affect our pass rush. You know, we've got Joe Troy on Sri Inca, who we took in the first round this year, who looks like a real good prospect, but, um, you know, it would be throwing him in at the deep end. Um, Antonio Brown's on the COVID list, which again, you know, if he's not able to go by, um, by Sunday takes an, another weapon away, but you'd think we've still got enough to, to, to trouble them, obviously. Um, my concern is they've got one of the best corners in football in Jalen Ramsey. Um, and, you know, he's going to be a, a, an absolute ball hawk. So we need to get our running game going, which has pretty much been non-existent through the first two games. Um, and it's last year, I think Arians would go with the hot hand, um, you know, and it, and it tended to be Rojo through the, the regular season you know, getting the bulk of the carries. But I think this year it's it's a, a real mismatch, you know, of who's going to be in depending on what, what snap we're on and, and stuff like that. And there's just no, I don't think there's any rhythm to it yet. And I think we need to get that going. We need to either pick one of them to be the lead back and go with it or, you know, come up with, with, with something else. But then on the other side of the coin, I think the Rams were the same issue. They lost Akers, you know, early on in the season, uh, or sorry, before the season. Um, so Henderson is their lead back and he's only got about 170 yards through through two games. So um, it's, yeah, it's something that they need to get going against um, a stifling Bucks run defense. You know, we've had the one of the best run defenses in the league for the last two years and, and it's continuing again this year. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be a tale of, you know, uh, of the passing game and, and who can, can kind of get the ball to their playmakers the most. Um, and it could turn into a real shootout. You know, I picked this to be a bit more of a defensive matchup and a, and a low scorer, but actually it could turn into a, a complete shootout and, and end up, you know, 42-38 or, or something crazy like that. Um, but I guess the, I guess we'll see, yeah. I mean, obviously I, I would go with my heart for this game, but, um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the day to see the Bucks come out on the wrong side of it as well. I think for me... Of all the games that we have seen so far, of all the potential games we've got this season, this is the most likely to to have memories of that 2018 Chiefs-Rams game in Mexico City when it finished, was it 54-51 to the Rams? I think this does have all the makings of just absolute bombs away from both sides of the ball. And the interesting thing, I think, in what you talked about when you talked about the Bucks, there, Phil, was the Bucks' run defense. Whereas I think a lot of people, when you think of the Bucks, are going to think about your secondary and kind of your air defense. Because um, if we go back to that stat you shared with the uh, with the group earlier on today, in that who is Matt Ryan throws the most touchdowns to this season, and it's the the Mike Edwards, the back for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, the, the defense took over the game against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They took over the game against the Falcons last week. And I think they've got the chance to take over the game in a way that the Rams defense doesn't. Yes, you cannot downplay a team that has Aaron Donald lining up anywhere because that guy is going to wreck your game regardless of you, if you put one or if you put seven people on him. However, they are missing a lot of the of the good pieces that they've had in the background. So, yeah, they've got Jalen Ramsey, but they don't have some of the others that they used to. So I would say the uh, the Bucks rather have the the edge there on offense. Oh, it's it's going to be glorious. Um, 
we saw the the Falcons just decide not to cover Rob Gronkowski a couple of times last week. And that's a fantastic idea as they proved. And you've got uh, Chris Godwin with his strong blockers hands, picking up catches. You've got Mike Evans uh, may not have Antonio Brown. I think he's landed on the COVID list, so he might be out, but then what that just potentially means more for Scotty Miller. So, you know, it's it's literally like a hydra. You cut off one head and two more take its place. Whereas with the Rams, you can see the bond that Matt Stafford has made with Cooper Cup. And that's got to be dangerous and that's going to be exploited. So I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I agree with all your points, really, all three of you. Um, I the, the thing for me, I, I do disagree, Rob. I, I do think Stafford's a, a big upgrade. Um, Wrong. <laughs> um, if, if, you need Rams, him, if you need him to throw the ball, he can he throw the ball, will throw Rob. the ball. He's a perfectly good quarterback. He's a slight upgrade at best. There's nothing wrong with Jared Goff, though. No, I, I, yeah, I'd maybe agree. I think he's looked all right in Detroit. But um, yeah, the 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 Bucks look really good, but equally, I think I, I do expect a bit more of that up and down. Um, I think maybe they've been a bit fortunate that you know none of their big big players have had real injuries as yet. And like Phil says, you know, if JPP's out, that changes things. If you know they've got a lot of older players. Um, so obviously you don't want to lose them because as they get older, they're going to miss more time. Um, I don't know. This one feels like it feels like this could be the Bucks version of last year's Chiefs game, you know, where the Rams maybe do a number on them and then come back to bite them in the, in the NFC championship game or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's, in every Tom Brady season, there seems to the need to be some sort of adversity and and kind of bite for Tom Brady to fight against. And yeah, maybe that maybe that might come this week. So yeah, I'd pick the Rams, but equally I think you could go either way with it as a coin flip. Yeah, I, I see it slightly different to you guys in that I can't see it being an absolute you know, uh, points fest. I just think the offenses are too good to not score points. The defenses are too good to not play a part. So I think turnovers might, do you know what? It's close um, for me. Um, I mean, it's weird because I, I've talked so favorably about the Buccaneers, I suppose, and the Rams. I just give this the Rams. I think at the moment, uh, I think I just give them the edge. Um, I, I thought the Rams, as much as they weren't perfect against the Colts and, and a bit like we've talked about with, with the Bucks and the Falcons, they did let the Colts back in a little bit. I thought when they needed to respond and score, they did. I mean, I thought Cooper Cup was great for them in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, in terms of my club dub choice, as, oh, as much as I'm loving the start the Bucks have, have made, it's completely gone against my expectations it's going to be the Los Angeles Rams that find themselves in club dub. So, listeners out there, you've heard us 
dance around this topic already and maybe cut ourselves short when we started to find ourselves in these realms earlier in the podcast. But as you'll know, during the regular season, at the end of every pod, we take a quick quick whip around our virtual room to talk about this week's hot topic. So the hot topic for the four of us this week is simply this. Gentlemen, I would like to know who you think is the worst 2-0 team in the NFL and the best 0-2 team. And JB, you look primed and ready to go. So can I throw over to you first for your thoughts? My worst 2-0 team is the San Francisco 49ers. And my best 0-2 team is going to be... I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. I think there is there is an argument for maybe a team like the Giants or something like that. But ultimately, I think the Colts have all of the makings of a team that can have a good playoff run. I don't think it's quite clicked for them yet, but I don't think there's any reason to count them out just yet. Wow. I mean, I'm not going to say much. I'll throw over to the other two here. But I will say that I looked at a number of teams to pick my best and worst and those two were nowhere near my selections. They didn't cross my mind once. That's, really? that's fine. Cool. Rob, uh, Rob, as we know, in every in every discussion, in every exchange of opinions, there are people who are right and there are people that are wrong. And we'll see who's who. For me, I could see, see the argument for the Colts, but not the... Um, not the... Um, 49ers. 49ers, yeah, as being the worst team. I couldn't even remember who it was. It was such a ludicrous opinion. No, you're all you're all uh, buying into the uh, the cult of Shanahan. You you're overcome by how handsome Jimmy G is. That that winning smile that he's got. You you don't see the cracks there. You don't see it. I don't know though. Could you not describe their you know their offense? You know if they don't have Debo Samuel, they've got Brandon Ayuk. You know I'd almost describe them as like a hydra. You cut off one head and another. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a uh, fair uh, analogy. Uh, it's a fair analogy. Um, I just, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised by the 49ers. So, so go on. So the Colts. I mean, and and look, let let's give the Colts a bit of love. There are four teams followed on this podcast, and they're one of them. So, what for you, JB, makes you think they are still primed, still well built for a playoff run? Looking at the other 0-2 teams, and obviously we're talking about guys like the Jets, we're talking about the Vikings, we're talking about the Jags, we're talking about the Lions. Don't list them all. We're all going to pick one, Sorry. aren't we? Sorry, but no. Yeah, save some for later. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm just listing. Those are the teams that, we, that you could choose from as 0-2 teams. I'm not saying this why. I'm just saying of all of them there, there isn't a head coach in that group that I would trust over Frank Reich. I, th- I think that guy has everything in him to be the next kind of amazing NFL head coach. That same guy of like how we how we look at Andy Reid now. I think Frank Reich has it in him with his skills and his talents to be on that kind of level. So I have complete faith in that guy taking that cult amazing things with him. Wow. Wow. Well, that is that is a bombshell. 
Um, and as JB, you've kicked us off and you've been so big on the Colts. Aldrin, let's come to you next. Have you got the Colts as your best 0-2? What, what have you gone for? Um, my best 0-2, the Colts were in, in the mix for me purely because I do think the other 0-2 teams really look like 0-2 teams and I expected them to be there. I think we've had a tough run. You know, I think we've had the Seahawks and the Rams. So I don't think you can you can say that, you know, we've had it easy and we ran the Rams really close. So I, I was pretty pleased with how that went. That gives me optimism. But my best 0-2 team, I think, is the Vikings. I, I think they're a really solid team. I think, I mean, we talked about it separately earlier today, but you know, what, a couple of field goals right at the death of each game to, you know, effectively be in 2-0 and team, really. Um, they've got all the weapons you would want, I think. Thielen, Jefferson, Cook, even Cousins, you know, I, I still rate as a really serviceable quarterback, particularly in that system with somebody like Dalvin Cook. You know, you don't have to be stellar to, to win games in that team. Um, so, yeah, for me, they're the they're the best 0-2 team that are knocking around and I certainly expect them to bounce back and, you know, see, see players like Jefferson and Cook scoring plenty of touchdowns. Um, on the flip side, the worst 2-0 team, I don't know, there's a few, but the team for me is the Broncos. I think they've had a nice matchup of games. Um, they're always going to have a relatively decent defence, you know, with Vic Fangio there, but I don't know, you just can't see Teddy Bridgewater playing at a high level for a long period of time, particularly against tougher opposition, you know, and that, I don't know, that receiving cause just, I don't know, odd. Like, I don't know how they're putting up points, really. You've got, what, KJ Hamler and Patrick and, you know, I know they've got Cortland Sutton and he he looked good last week and, of course, Noah Fant looks like a really serviceable tight end, but there's nothing stellar there, is there? I just I fully expect them to come crashing back down to earth and maybe ending up bottom of their division. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that. For me, the Broncos are absolutely the worst two and O team. It, it's a weird one because if they weren't two and O, I'd look at them very much how I look at the Falcons, and I'd go, they've not got the talent for me to think there's many more wins in them, but yet here they are unbeaten. Um, I think you're right, Fant, Sutton, um, the fact they're going to be without Judy, I, I just think at quarterback, they're, they're not great. I, I mean, a, a, a storied franchise like the Broncos, and it can happen to everyone, you know, the, the quarterback is the most important position in football, everyone's after the best version of one they can get, but they've had a pretty ordinary run of quarterbacks. Um, you know, if you think what, post Peyton Manning, it's looked well a mixture of of well-traveled veterans and draft busts really I think I don't think it would be unfair to say that there was a few busts in there and I don't see Teddy Bridgewater being the solution I mean I'm not going to take any kind of sandwich bet on this but if the Broncos only won two more games all season that's possible I could see that um so the Broncos would also be my worst two and oh my best oh and two We've talked about it already. The Vikings, absolutely, they are two plays away from being 2-0. and I actually think they're in a division which 
having watched the first couple of weeks of football, I think is is all of a sudden in their favour. I didn't see it that way before a, um, a ball was thrown, but all of a sudden I don't think they have to be absolutely amazing to be competing for, for postseason football there. Um, I'm going to go the Giants, though. I said it at the start. I think they're a couple of couple of plays away. I think they've got exciting talent that they just need to get working. Um, I kind of see them a little bit like the Browns last year, you know, that actually they've brought a number of different pieces together. They just need to find a way. And as we all know, I'm higher on Danny Dimes than the most um, 30 plus fantasy points last week for any of you paying attention um, was the difference between a win and a loss for me. So I'm going to pick the Giants. Um, but yeah, definitely sticking with the Broncos for 2-0 and and PB round us out. I think the two 0-2 teams to pick from as, as the best two would be the Colts and the Vikings, as as the guys have already said. I think I think if I had to lump for one of the two, I'd say if I, I had to pick the Colts or the Vikings to make the playoffs, I'd pick the Colts. I think they're in the worst division. They're going to beat the Texans twice. They're going to beat the Jags twice. So I think they're they're the team that flat, you know, that are deceiving at 0 and 2. And I think you're spot on with the Broncos at 2 and 0. They're not they're not a 2 and 0 team. I don't think if they had a, a you know a, a tougher schedule, it'd be a different story. But probably honourable mention to the Panthers as well. You know, big surprise to, to come out at 2 and 0. I don't think the Panthers are a great team. I am. I couldn't disagree with you more. I think they're really? a really good value 2 and 0 team. I think that defense is. Amazing. It's the best defense in football currently. And wow. I, I'm only going off statistics. Look, statistically, bold. statistically, look at the they're the best team, they're the best yeah. defense in football. And they're I just think Jets in week yeah, one, but, right? I mean, the Jets are, yeah. you know, plenty of people have to play the Jets and the Jets are the Jets, I suppose. They're, they're still yeah, one of the worst teams. You can only play Dross that's in front of you, can't you? But exactly. I just think I, I think their defense is really good. Take aside, you know, playing the Jets. I, I think. They've got some exceptional players in Burns and Chin and a really talented young defence. Um, I really like Darnold. I, I liked him. I, I, I yeah. picked him as a, as a good player to go there and have a resurgence, and that certainly looks like it's happening. And they've just got good receivers. They've got an exceptional running back, arguably one of the best in the game right now, particularly when he's healthy. He's almost unplayable so I, I think they're a really good value to an O team I think yeah, they'll keep going wrong, I think they're going to be a three and O team because you, you'd pick them to beat the Texans tonight yeah. and, oh, I mean and yeah, then, I'd beat the Texans it, tonight yeah, well, and then when a team's three and O I guess you can't really say they're not value for three and O but yeah I, I can't I don't see it sustaining but then I could be totally wrong but I, I can remember watching the Panthers in 2015 and watching oh, them go, was it, they were uh, it was 15 and one. And was it 14 and oh, they got to before they lost to the Falcons or something like that. Yeah. It was at least double figures. And that was always spent being like, is this the week the penny's going to drop? You know, is this the week the other shoe's going to fall? Are they going to get blown out? And all of a sudden we're going to return to that kind of up and down Panthers that we've seen. And it just never happened. I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen this time, but at the but at the same point, why couldn't it? I think Sam Darnold has again proven that if you get a decent quarterback away from Adam Gase, he suddenly remembers how to play quarterback really well because this is what we saw in um, in Tennessee when they got a hold of Ryan Tannehill. Yes, having amazing running backs also helps, but that's not the only reason for it. So. I, I kind of I really like the pickup of Darnold when they traded for him originally. So 
I'm I'm not surprised the Panthers are, are doing as well as they did. I think Matt Rule last year was kind of establishing this year is going to be rebuilding year where we're going to start to to put pieces together, and now that's paying off. I like the Panthers. I think a winning season would be a success. I'm not sure it needs to be. I was about to say 15 and one, but of course I've got to add a mm. add another game to that slate now, haven't I? But but yeah, I quite like the Panthers. Um, certainly like them more than the Broncos. But yeah, some nice choices. So um, obviously we do our Pick'em Challenge every week. So let's round out our week with a reminder of our tiebreaker. So in the event that the wins and losses we pick are tied, the tiebreaker is decided by the score of Thursday night football. So I have gone for Thursday night football. Oh, the painful process of watching me open a spreadsheet and scroll across. Um, nearly there. Week two. Week three. There we go. So I have gone for the Panthers winning 23-10. Um, Phil, who have you gone for out of Panthers and Texans? Yeah, I've gone for the Panthers as well. I've gone 27-10. Nice. So, you and I seem to be pretty close on a lot of these Rob, we're, scoring we're predictions. Yeah, we, we are, are in sync at the moment, aren't we? Aldrin, who are you going for? Uh, I mean, having just lauded them, I've obviously gone for the Panthers, but I've got it as a, a bit of a blowout game. 37-13. Wow. Wow. I, the weird thing is I, I have more of a... I, I think the 13 is maybe braver than the 37 I was trying to be kind with it, but yeah, I like that. And JB, do you round out a clean sweep? Yeah, I have also gone for the Panthers. I have gone 28-21 Panthers, and that is in part because of the fact that I had forgotten that Terod Taylor was injured. Well, So that went well. Yeah, when when you're concerned that Terod Taylor's injured. Are we going Terod now, by the way? I've noticed NFL commentators doing that as well. Is, Given is that his name's... Right? Given his name's Tyrod, then yeah, probably go with that. I, I mean, I wasn't the only person calling him Tyrod Taylor. I mean, come on. That's not a thing. It's not like, what's his name? Robert Saleh. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> Ty, Tyrod Taylor was definitely, definitely a thing for at least a while. It, it came out of, didn't it come out of, was it Hard Knocks last year? When, is that um, what it is? Yeah. No, when, when they did an interview Browns. with him and he was like, everybody gets my name yeah. wrong. It's Tyrod. Hard Knocks when he was with the Browns. Yeah, I mean, when you no, spell your name. With T, Vegas. No, when he was with the Browns, so it's three years yeah, ago. it was Chargers, wasn't it? Or was it the Browns? No, three years ago when he was with the Browns. Yeah. There you go. Well, there you go. I'm three years out of date then, but yeah, apologies. He's been on to, hard knocks every year, to, and to every team, every team he's there, um, he loses the starting kick. So um, next week we might have to make our hot topic um, about some more of these O and teams, as we haven't really touched much on. What's been the really underwhelming start from both the Jets and the Jags, haven't we? You know, we had all this furore, new head coach, new QBs and so on. It's not really caught fire yet. But yeah, um, let's save that till next week. Gentlemen, it was another gold standard performance, um, enough to keep any NFL fan happy. Um, thank you for your company. Um, and let's do it all again in seven days. All that is left to do, just really for posterity more than anything else, is to say, JB, as our resident statistician, can you confirm to the listeners who the winner was of our Pick'em contest for last week? Well, last week uh, was very much improved from the previous week. All of us achieved double figures in, uh, in games picked. Uh, we had uh, me, no, we had Aldrin coming in at 10 and 6. We then had Phil and myself tied at 11 and 5. 
but with a storming victory, our host, Rob oh. Rose, came in at 13 and 3. Did I? I thought I was 12 and 4. Oh, where have I picked up? Another? Anyway, thrilled. Thank you very much. That's one week so far in the bag for, what was it, UJB? One for me as we start to count yep. these weekly wins towards yep. our season championship. It, um, is, it is JB1, Rob Rose 1, Phil and Aldrin yet to get off the board. Um, gentlemen, thank you for your company. Let's come back and do this again in slightly less than seven days. Um, more to come on our shocking bombshell of a scheduling announcement. You'll be able to get our pod from as early as Tuesday next week. Who knew? So we can capture all of next week's action. But anywho, thanks ever so much for your company and we'll see you all in a few days. Cheers, Rob. Bye. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.